0: This is the Games Podcast News Report, the only podcast that covers Games Podcast News. I'm Amanda rault silberling professional journalist, and this is the credit that I list first in my Twitter bio. <laughs> Later on in the show, which board games are making you less attractive? The answer might surprise you. But first, our top story. Games and Feelings has just passed one year of podcast existence. That's seven in dog years, five in cat years. <laughs> and 5 million rounds of combat in d I sat down with creator, question master, and best DM in podcasting, Eric Silver, to celebrate the anniversary of the only Games Advice podcast on the market. Hey, wow. welcome to the
1: studio. My god, this is so nice. I mean, yeah, we- you... These are some nice chairs since the last time I was here. Like, I, I yeah,
0: know. well, so um, you wouldn't know this, but the chairs are actually made out of the fabric from the four hundred dollar Sphile plushie from the Pokemon Center.
1: Oh wow! Oh, this is Pokemon Center plush. Well, oh, I yeah. can feel it.
0: Yeah, it was... you really. <laughs> It, it's subtle, but it's there. But, you know, the budget for this podcast is just through the roof. We have to figure out how to spend the money somehow, since, you know, there's just in games media. We're just all rolling in it right now.
1: Well, Yeah. Where are you going to if you don't use it, you lose it. That's what everyone's exactly. saying. I mm-hmm. didn't recognize you without the hat. That's the thing. It's oh. like, oh, I, who is that? Oh, they're not wearing a Bidoof hat. I can't figure out. Is that Amanda? Is that someone else? Oh, you have the Bidoof hat. Now there it is. That's Amanda Roth like That's the girdleist I know.
0: Oh, yes. You know, it's just sometimes I, I do this so that when I'm in public, people don't recognize me because, you know, I like to keep a low profile. It's just... Sure. You know, everyone recognizes me from Games Podcast News Report, a podcast (laughs) that exists and is very popular.
1: And everyone's always like, oh my god, Ralts, take a photo with me. Tell me about the newest worker relations over at Activision Blizzard. And you're like, sorry, I'm at dinner? This is my Mm -hmm. safe space. Please step back. Yeah, I I know. It's
0: like my fans need to know that workers' rights extend to very powerful (laughs) games podcast news reporters like me who just want some privacy when they're eating their caviar out on the town.
1: When I'm at Carbone, the number one Italian restaurant in New York City and on New York York City TikTok, my workers' rights are my table and my right is leave me alone, please. I get that. I understand
0: that. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm glad you understand, but... Um, Well, it's so great for you to be here with us today, Eric. So, to start, what inspired Games and Feelings?
1: Hard-hitting question from the beginning. That's what I like to know. First of all, it's a wonderful occasion to be here, to be here at the, let me read the name of this podcast that definitely exists, Games (laughs) Podcast News Report. Uh, Listen, I've been uh, listening to the show first on radio, then on network TV. And then when you moved over briefly to HBO and then back to network, it's, it's really nice. I've followed the journey for a long time.
0: Oh yeah. The, uh, the HBO GPNR era is, you know, we don't talk about it, but we learned a lot, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, the spinoffs, the, the crossover with the Sesame street, it could have been huge. It could have been huge.
0: Yeah. I mean, we even had that feature in succession where um, on the <laughs> podcast in the show, we interviewed um, Shiv Roy. Yeah, uh, she's a gamer. People don't know this about her, but they
1: never show it. Jesse Armstrong. It's more about on Succession what they don't show you than what they do show you. Like that's oh, yeah. why they're only doing a few seasons. Brilliant television show. <laughs> I loved it when you got fired, by... <laughs> I loved it when Kendall just fired you. That was like, oh my god, that's Amanda Ralt Silverling. I didn't recognize her without the Badoof hat, but that's her for sure.
0: Yeah, it's like you know how like Tommy Gevinson can be Gossip Girl, and I can be in Succession. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so... I remember,
1: where, you mean Otavi oh, Gevinson from Bubble, the narrator of Bubble? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, she's great.
0: So anyway, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're ducking the question. Um, oh, Where, <laughs> where sorry. did the idea of games and feelings come from?
1: Yeah, this is actually really funny. I remember coming home from a, a party or something, uh, and I was with uh, Amanda McLaughlin, my wife. Uh, and, you know, she's a huge fan of advice columns, She's a huge fan of advice columns. Uh, you know, she's been reading Ask a Manager, which is one of our favorites for a very long time. And also, like, she's been on Dear Prudence a few times, and we've been to live shows for Dear Prudence uh, on the various iterations of it, you know, dating all the way back to, I don't acknowledge anyone, from before uh, from <laughs> before Daniel Lavery. So, yeah, Daniel Lavery, so great. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about trying to do another games podcast, because Join the Party, I've been doing it for a long time, but it, it's very fictional, uh, it being a fiction podcast requires a lot of legwork and me de- working with a lot of our collaborators, which I love and I love doing it. But, you know, there's space and Multitude for doing more than that. We've been kicking around ideas for a long time. And this is also Amanda has been like learning more about games. And I've slowly been chipping away from her at her of being like games are bad. And now I'm just like poking her and poking her and like, nope, you got to keep playing games with me. You just got to do it. You got to keep doing it. So... uh eventually Amanda is coming around to like games. So I think we were in like a we were definitely in an Uber coming back from a party and she's like, what if there was a games advice podcast? I'm like, that's an incredible idea and I'm going to make it. And that happened only a year ago. I think it was also monumental and the reason why I remembered it, because like I was in an Uber which I hadn't (laughs) been in for like two years coming back from a a social engagement. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Look at me. So I, I remember it was like on one of the streets coming up to our apartment and she said it like this is a really good idea
0: so does multitude um as a company patronize uber um i think they're my (laughs) um how much do you tip your uber drivers
1: uh enough and a lot (laughs) all the time man hard-hitting tech journalism i love it uh listen the only for somehow amanda constantly has like a discount on lyft at all times and and i'm just like wow that's what you get for having a credit card. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I just, you know, Amanda found me. Uh, we first started dating. She found me just in the woods. She thought I was a chupacabra, uh, but it turns out it was me. I was just hanging out uh, attacking goats just to, like, get my arm strength up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's we've been together ever since. So it's been a really uh a really emotional uh half decade uh dating her and she's just constantly coming up with uh, more ideas but no she just always has discounts i want to shout out obi obi which uh just you can put all of your ride shares in there and you'll figure out the cheapest one uh and i think it's just for it also has like curb on it so and it's like a worker collective and stuff so it's just like one of those cool apps
0: I did not know this app existed, which I will not admit because I'm a very serious tech journalist yeah, and I cut, know all this out. All cut technology. Cut this out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was wild. Just just I mean, you know, podcast ideas come out of anywhere. Sometimes you do it just to fill a hole that doesn't exist. I know that maybe you were joking by saying Games of Feelings is the only games advice podcast out there, and I'm not going to say that it's that it is or is not, but it certainly is like you know, the comedy advice podcast category is rife with ostensibly brothers of some sort talking to each other and making jokes about things and like, you know, however much they do or do not answer the question is kind of up for it. But I like doing something a little bit more specific. Um, You know, they're like the really emotional ones like Dear Prudence and some other relationship ones like Just Break Up. I remember, fun fact about that, Sierra de Mulder, I know her from Slam Poetry. So I've been knowing, she's been making people cry for like 15 years on the internet in various genres. So it's just like, it's always been either something that's like incredibly emotional, um, or something that's like purely for jokes, and it's always like general, which then kind of opens up a lot of like the the worst trauma you've ever heard in your life with no space to kind of talk about anything else. So doing this specifically about games and then being able to give good advice about that, I think was is really necessary when you kind of drill down to what the show was supposed to be.
0: That is true, and what a beautiful love story of you lost in the woods. And Amanda comes riding through in a discount lift to save you from yourself. Um, But you are the question keeper and the best DM in podcasting, but you don't make this show alone. Would you say everyone fits together like a heist crew or an adventuring crew?
1: Honestly, I would 100% say this. The thing that you learn the most about making podcasts is that everything is a group effort, even something like this, which feels super lightweight and uh, like, oh, we're just going to talk about some games and read some questions, blah, 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 and maybe do an extended bit that this is a tech podcast uh, at the same time. But like, I like being able to do a joke like this or have an idea, and I need other people to help me out along the way. I mean, obviously, Amanda spends a lot of time being like, our CEO and doing business stuff, which, you know, that's the only way that all this can exist. Um, and then having someone so dependable like Misha to edit the shows and make, put in funny sound effects to make things sound better. Um, which is something like, I don't, I can't, Think of on my own. Like I want that to happen. I think the best podcasts out there are when the sound design, which shows that should not have sound design in it. Hey Riddle Riddle is an incredible example of this, where like you put in a joke of sound design where you don't expect it and then that enhances the joke that's already happening there. And I think that it's something that people don't expect at all from a conversational podcast. There's a lot of room to be funny. So Casey Tony does an incredible job of, of that and Misha has been doing that on the many, the various shows. Uh, that we do here a multitude, and I love, I just love that they do it, uh, especially because they're gonna make me um, sound like a duck here from a bunch of quacking.
0: Yeah, and I, I am also still wearing the Badoof hat, so if we could get some um, beaver noises.
1: Just some beaver noises, yeah.
0: I'm just gonna wear the Badoof hat the entire time. You it's should, it makes you think. look even yeah.
1: more professional. Um, And then of course, like, you know, being the idea to push this weekly, um, being able to mix up different show ideas. I couldn't have done that without Jasper, uh, which is wonderful. I mean, Jasper is someone who I've like admired for a very long time because we've been talking ever since uh, through Black Halflings got going. uh, And he's just like a good bruv that I want to hang out with. And here's the thing about being in your 30s. You got to invent a podcast to hang out with other people. (laughs) so uh just being able to do that and throw them in i want to say uh congratulations to myself for getting whatsapp so i could text jasper whenever i want um but yeah if i if it was a heist crew i mean amanda is i feel like amanda's the explosives expert much like uh you know business is the same as explosives you're blowing up a bank vault usually um, i
0: have heard that from the ceo at the games podcast news report
1: <laughs> you know, who's always threatening you with a bomb to stop asking for more money.
0: Yeah. Um, owned by Hasbro. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus Christ. Um, and I think Misha, I think Misha has other tech skills. So we have an explosive expert, but we have like a hacker. I think Misha's the hacker. And Jasper's, of course, the face, you know. J- J- Jasper is going to charm him away into any single, any single situation. Man, I think I'm the wheels. I think I drive the car. You got to get there and you got to get out. And I really think that that's my job.
0: Well, um, at the Games Podcast News Report, you know, it's not all uh, serious. We do have some fun in games. And um, in the Games Podcast News Report D&D campaign last night, we did have a skeleton wearing a hat who was uh, steering a ship. So um, that's how I like to imagine you, Eric, as the skeleton steering the ship of Games and Feelings.
1: Is this just, like, Goofy, like the skeleton in Halloween Town who drives the the taxi? Or is this, like, Sharon, the boat driver of the dead?
0: Um, this is a bit more, like, Goofy. Yeah, I think this was just our DM wanted to make this person non-threatening and made it kind of like an Undertale Papyrus-type character. Oh, that's fair.
1: (laughs) Sure. I mean, if you Um, just want to call me Sans Undertale, that's me. (laughs) Everyone on Tumblr loves me. I have one eye. I go, ooh, whenever I speak. I'm exactly the same as Sans.
0: How did it feel to win the Tumblr Sexy Man contest? It felt great. I'm glad
1: I was finally recognized as a sexy man. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. just because I'm not six feet tall and incredibly skinny, I feel like I deserve some (laughs) recognition. And uh, uh, Sans is representing, just like me, for all the short and medium princes out there.
0: We stand a short and medium
1: prince. (laughs) Short kings, medium prince. That's me.
0: So um, back to the tech news. So there have been some really serious gaming acquisitions in the last year. We're still waiting to see if Microsoft will be able to close the deal to buy Activision Blizzard for nearly Mm -hmm. 69 nice billion dollars. But another really pivotal acquisition in games news this year was your acquisition of a white sequined glove. So... (laughs) So since (laughs) getting a white sequined glove, how has this impacted your role as the dungeon master on Join the Party?
1: That's a very good point, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about how I beg the FTC to allow my acquisition of a white sequin glove. Um, honestly, that's also not where I thought this question was going to go. Thank you. Good, good question, oh, I, question. I'm just
0: improvising. You know, I'm uh, listened to like three episodes of Tell Me About It, and I can do improv now.
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. So you're going to tr- you're going to trip me up in, in the middle and say that I'm doing a bad job for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean the white chicken glove is funny. Uh, I'm still kind of trying to like formulate a thesis on this, but as someone who's been like involved in loving the actual play genre for such a long time, both in podcasting and in video, especially once uh, Dimension Twenty burst on the scene, there's been a real like LAification of actual play. And it's not to say that it's not great because it is because they have wonderful budgets and incredibly talented actors and they all live in the same place. So they can all go to the sets in Los Angeles that are rented and all of them can do it together. Like it's all it's very important to, for that and really make stuff stand out, especially in a post covid world where we're still getting used to like actors being in the same place at the same time. But it's like even the genre itself, like this is becoming the modus operandi of the, of arts. Like, this is the most popular version of this version of art, which is, like, you need to be a voice actor and live in L.A., you gotta be a professional actor or an impressionable improver uh, slash TV writer, and they have large budgets to do this stuff, and there's a very specific type of gameplay, which is, it's always Dungeons & Dragons, it's always incredibly rules-light, actually, it's closer to, like, long-form improv than, uh, like, anything that's a little bit more crunchy, which I think that, like... D&D is the only game that gives you permission, not even gives you permission, but like no one gives a shit, so they're just like, "Ah, I'm gonna throw out this rule, it doesn't really make sense, I'm not gonna follow it. So it's more akin to long form improv, and then like, the peaks and valleys of emotion are so high, like, you're gonna talk about dicks for 30 minutes, and then like 20 minutes later someone's gonna talk about like, how their parents left them and they're literally going to cry on set and make the listeners cry as well. So I just think that those th- that's the type the mode of art that we're dealing with right now and it's not something that like I I don't I don't necessarily gravitate towards that type of art in general when I'm talking about my movies or TV or actual play stuff again this stuff is super popular and I respect everyone I mean there's so many people love it because it's very talented very well made but we're trying to do something different especially with during the party which is something I'm like I want this to feel like a game like there should be game elements to it and that means there's fun and there's competition, and there's like a challenge. So leaning into that and making sure that's part of this art is making sure the game can stand up on its own, which then means we're not always playing D&D, we're playing uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games, where form and function really follow each other. Um, Or maybe I'm hacking some other stuff together, like making my own game that we're going to play out. It's fun, I really enjoy it, and I love melding games into fiction. And I just worry that 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 kind of stuff falls away because especially with the LAification of it it becomes more of like the entertainment business. so it's like well money and famous people are behind it so it must be the only thing that exists and then what people pursuing this this art form only kind of do this thing so I've been thinking about it a lot and kind of buying the uh glove and having my heel turn and saying I'm the best dm in podcasting I think it's just been my giving myself permission to like, Say that I'm doing something different, and I think I'm really good at it. And hopefully, uh, everyone listening will also feel, you know, permission to say it out loud in the great Stan Wars of the internet. Like, you know, it's it's you can still talk about like smaller stuff, and it's just I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about it, so that's the best I can kind of say at the moment.
0: Damn, Eric Silverhive, rise up! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah,
1: all my silver streakers out there, my silver Silver's- server.
0: <laughs> my silver silver is, snakes uh, say so, like silver no. snakes yeah no no, no that's Legends of the hidden temple which one is that i feel like it's like silver cheetahs or no something. it was
1: silver snakes yeah
0: okay cool cool um, i was a
1: red jaguar myself because the silver snakes were always absolute nerds so silver snakes rise up <laughs> go on tumblr go on twitter tell your friends that i'm the best dm in podcasting damn
0: um i did have a really uh Not to, you know, as a very serious journalist, I rarely talk about myself, but (laughs) I did have an experience the other night where I was watching the mediocre Netflix show, Jewish Matchmaking. Oh, how's that going, um, by the way? It was fine. I mean, I do think it's funny that I do know someone who knows someone who was on the show, which is proof that Jewish geography is a real thing that somehow works, but... As I was making my own d d spell cards because I'm very committed to not using d d Beyond because sure. in my job as the host of Games Podcast News Report, I'm looking at screens all the time. And right. I prefer to not look at screens when I'm hanging out with my friends. That's um, a good
1: idea, though, on its own because you can also cut down the text and they can be it can be bigger on the spell cards that you print out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was, I was just like watching Jewish matchmaking, writing some spell cards. And then this guy is like, oh, so here's my uh, Game of Thrones tattoo. And then this is my tattoo written in Elvish. And I was like, haha, nerd. And then meanwhile, I'm writing down like, here are the rules for like, thaumaturgy or like, however you say that cantrip. Um, I also am trying really hard to get the line. They're called cantrips, not cantrips into something, but it hasn't really come up yet. But it's, you know. I think you can do that for sure. I
1: That opportunity is absolutely going to arise, uh, Rob. Yeah, for it's sure. like when,
0: when you run out of all your spell slots and then you use kind of like not the greatest thing at your disposal, but you have to use a cantrip because you don't have any slots left. And then you're like, well... So they don't call it a cantrip for nothing. Oh, what, uh, oh, what! Your lethal, uh, your lethal
1: Eldritch Blast is going to defeat me, Diedrich, the Dark Knight. And then uh, Wolf Kaminsky says uh, they're called cantrips, they're not cantrips. And then uh, Diedrich dies.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, also, now I'm playing a cleric as well, as um, everyone, you know, everyone knows from Interplanetary 20, my hit actual play (laughs) podcast, you know, Wolf Kaminsky, my, uh, my warlock, who is... Well known by the masses.
1: Named after your dentist, of course. Oh
0: yes, um, this this episode is sponsored by Kaminsky Wolf Dental.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you could get that ad sa- that ad sales. It's been a tough market. That's good. oh
0: yeah, you know, I mean, I I uh, collaborated with Amanda McLaughlin before this podcast to like you know see if I could help with some ad sales because as a very professional games journalist, uh, news report podcaster. That's something that I think about, you know, the business behind the games. Yeah, and, and luckily uh, you
1: have you have ads that reflect your 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 values, and I think that's important.
0: Yeah, and my values are that everyone deserves a dentist who writes in your file tearful. <laughs> oh, it does say that in my file at Kaminsky Wolf Dental.
1: <laughs> that's incredibly funny. I did not know that.
0: <laughs> it is true. Like I am afraid of the dentist. Sure, I get nervous. You know, it's um. Speaking of getting nervous...
1: Wait, was it tearful appreciative? (laughs) Like, does Wolf Kaminsky know? Wolf Kaminsky the dentist, does he know about the Tumblr adjectives to put in so that (laughs) when someone's actually looking at a file, they know it's tearful understanding? Or was it just tearful derogatory?
0: I don't know. I think... I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but it was like, patient was nervous and tearful or something like that. Oh,
1: that's fine. That's more, that's pretty descriptive. Mm -hmm. That's good.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I do get nervous and tearful. And so I'm wondering, did you feel nervous and or tearful when you pushed Games and Feeling to a weekly podcast with, (laughs) you know, content like the advice episodes, bringing in Jasper as a permanent guest, the replay, and of course, everyone's... Favorite podcast with an acronym that everybody knows and uses all the time with a Yes. Uh,
1: You know, it's funny. I mean, I feel like so many shows need to be weekly right now, unless you have a really good reason.
0: A really good reason, like you're making a podcast that is barely breaking even, and one of you is a very serious games journalist, and one of you is a corporate lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, that's a
1: really good reason. If you're doing it for fun, I mean, profession. I'm saying like business professionally. I think that's always the thing I need to say that like when I give this advice, this is like for for my full time job currently right now. Is like I this needs to come out, and you know, games and feelings. I wanted to do more of it. Also, it was like. Two guest dependent, which is something I always tell other people not to do. Uh, but yeah. I kept at needing to have two guests on. And also I wanted to shout out the other people, like all the people in Multitude and the various guests that we've had on um over this last year. Like they're all incredible, and it was so nice, like having Jenna Steber on, uh, and having uh Jeremy Cobb on, also from Three Black Halflings, and also like Julia and Brandon coming on as well. But I, I just wanted to have someone else who it was fun to be around, and Jasper's always super fun to be around. And again, I want to spend more time with him, so I locked him into a podcast Uh, and it's been it's been incredible I've been just hanging out with Jasper uh, over the last like you know we only started going weekly like a few months ago so it's just been got really nice flow also, just being able to intersperse other types of shows in. Amanda and I have been doing the replay on the Patreon for a while, and everyone should join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Feelings, so you can hear all the episodes. Various times I say, the replay is a better show than Games and Feelings. I don't know why we're not just doing this, because it's just like a critique of, uh, of advice columns and trying to, like— understand why advice columns exist and who uses them Uh, also it's kind of nice like exposing my advice to advice columns it's just very much not for me and not like in the vein of people who need to use advice columns or might respond to them like you know it's very uh, I think that the people who use them are trying to like validate like bad feelings that they have whether they are not allowed to share them like in their own community and they're scared or they did something bad but they don't want to admit it and then they write into advice Column. like so many questions and advice columns are really just am I good was this fine that I did this please validate me more than asking questions and like that's not the kind of person I am uh I just I'll run forward to see what happens later because I'd rather you know defend myself or my family or my friends or my relationship or whatever but at the same time it's like I, I think I come down a little harder than some of these advice people like even ask a manager who's great I think she also which is a wonderful advice column about Work. I think that she still believes in like the corporate structure because she worked in HR for a long time and like, man, I got drummed out of corporate life so quickly because I had feelings and they didn't like that. Um, And it's just like, especially in 2023, examining like the capitalist structure, which I think is games and feelings at large, but also... A lot of these advice columns about, like, you know, so many are about manners and who's supposed to pay for stuff or blah, blah, blah. It's like it means so much different, I think, to me in 2023. Also, I'm so happy I got to bring back Wiff of Potosnay.
0: I know. I love Wiff I listened to it in the pandemic before I knew you because I was just like, this is nice to just hear people talk about Pokemon. Yeah,
1: it, it's nice. I mean, I was also trying to use it as, like, a way to make more friends. like See, invite see pe- that's
0: the, the secret. You have to podcast to make friends
1: yeah and also just like hey i don't have a real good space to say nice things about you because it's uh may 2020 (laughs) and (laughs) everyone's being really fucking weird um so it's just been really nice to bring that back um and just kind of expanding the space a little bit i mean the the birthday episode that came out was really sweet and it kind of made the whole thing worth it and i was just super happy about that and you know you also get to reveal that people like pokemon unless they're saying it like Explicitly, you wouldn't know that someone loves Pokemon.
0: I feel like I say it explicitly pretty often, but I get what you mean. Uh, But uh, I guess, like, unless. You aren't wearing a Bidoof hat right now.
1: True. (laughs) Unless you are outwardly talking about Pokemon, like, I know plenty of people who play it and just never talk about it. And then they are like, do you want to play this Pokemon ROM hack? And they're like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, never mind.
0: Speaking of which, have you started playing Pokemon Emerald Rogue?
1: I want to. Here's the problem. Uh, so you told me about it. It seemed really great. I've watched a bunch of uh, actual plays of it. Or sorry. I watched a bunch of YouTube. Actual plays. Not actual plays. Um, I've watched a bunch of YouTubers play through it. And now I kind of understand it a little bit more of like the flow of the game. I used to play it on Max, which is where I would just put it on like open. Emu or one of the stuff and I know it's easier yeah. but like my most powerful computer the king of games is Windows and I'm definitely a little bit more like antsy about trying to get that going over on Windows so it's just like trying to just push through like I ended up rebuying Skyrim just so I would have something to play while I'm like when this comes out Tears of the Kingdom will all already be out but like I've been kind of like really twiddling my thumbs for the last few weeks just kind of waiting for mm-hmm. the new Zelda um so I should have been playing it
0: well as the Kara Swisher of Games Journalism, I do have a confession, which is that I still haven't finished playing Breath of the Wild because I found it really hard at first. Sure. And I had to like FaceTime Isabel, um, the co-host of the Games Podcast News Report, who is <laughs> um the the only podcast I host. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to FaceTime her and be like, how do I get the paraglider? You need to help me.
1: No, I think it's fair. I mean, it was also my first Zelda game. I was not a Zelda person. I'm definitely... And I love Nintendo. It's just the the those puzzles just never, never appealed to me. I was definitely... I would rather platform or play, like, Pokemon instead. Definitely the Mario and Pokemon uh, arm of Nintendo. Uh, so y- y- you don't realize it's very much like Zelda thinking, and you don't know, which is funny to think that, like, Breath of the Wild also many consider it to be the best game of all time, but it still does have video game logic that other people don't know, so I, t- I totally understand. I didn't understand how to do like any of the Divine Beasts, because, doing the dungeons is very much like Zelda puzzle thinking that I've never been exposed to. So I had to look up walkthroughs for every single one. (laughs) Every one. Every single one. Even on both playthroughs that I've done. First when it came out, and when I got a Switch, and then recently I replayed it on, like, when I got a new TV. And I'm like, I still don't know how to do this. This is so stupid.
0: Yeah, I was, like, in, like, the first five minutes of the game being like, so if I cut down this tree and I get it to land in the right place, and then I can walk across this on a bridge I created. And then, and I was like, wait, I'm making it too hard. I don't even have the paraglider yet, but I need to get back to that. Anyway, before we continue, we're going to throw to a commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Cheating at TTRPGs. Cheating when you want your friends to think you're so cool that nothing bad ever happens to your imaginary character. Now, even though I'm the Kara Swisher of journalism, let me tell you a story that happened to me yesterday. I was rolling an attack roll to hit. I rolled an at one. No one knew I rolled and I thought, should I just re-roll it? And then I did. And then I thought, I feel so guilty. And then I thought, At my table, we have a rule that if you're the person that orders the pizza, you get free inspiration. So I just used my inspiration and then I didn't cheat. Sometimes cheating at TTRPGs could be the right move for you if you do not have pizza inspiration. Cheating at TTRPGs comes in a few flavors. Adding modifiers where there aren't any. Disguising your dice roll and saying it's good. Or being so annoying about small stuff that the GM says, fine. Cheating at TTRPGs. Them wherever games are played, and we'll be right back.
1: <laughs> I like your personal experience you put in that ad read. Good job. Hey, it's Eric, and usually I have a snack here, but I would love to share part of a message from Polly Burridge, our first producer level patron. Hey, Eric, happy nearly one year. Just wanted to drop a little line and say how much G&F has meant to me in the past year. There is a reason I was the first producer-level patron. I knew it was going to be amazing. Everything you touch turns to gold. I love games, and I love that there's no discrepancy on the types of games you're willing to talk about. I feel like traditionally, something like this may not include sport, but you do, and that makes it even more special to me. Surely, no shocks there context, Polly is very into sports, especially Australian rules football, and uh, it's wonderful watching her on Twitter. Okay, back to the note. The way you discuss feelings always hits close to home for me because I think we have a very similar nature, but you're so mature in your responses. I seriously look forward to it every week, the replay included, and I hope it continues for many more years. P.S. I honestly think about the what shall it be from the Buddha Games once a week. I don't think I've ever laughed harder at a podcast. Oh my god, that was one of our first episodes. That was with Misha and Marquez. Ugh, oh, I love that episode. Thank you, Polly. I appreciate it so much and honestly, that's why I like making the show. Being able to talk about games and doing like advice, being funny and giving actual advice uh, is, is nice. Being able to give feelings and also laughter. I mean, That's how we do it. That's how we do it here on the pod. If you want to give us an anniversary present and support this wonderful independent content, come on over and join the Patreon. You're not just doing it for fun. You get the replay, which you're already getting on the main feed, but you get Patreon versions of it. I think you're really going to like it. We're also going to do ad-free episodes very soon. So if you can get that RSS feed that you get from Patreon, then you're already in there. You're already in the mainframe. It's going to be easy for you. Patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings. And as always, shout out to producer-level patrons, Polly Burridge, Kelsey Duffy, and Peyton, who are just ride-and-die homies. I love that. Thank you. Patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings. No ads today. Just get back to the episode.
0: Speaking of the replay, so... I mean, it's really brave of you to pioneer a new genre of advice podcast, which is a husband and wife telling people advice like no one has ever done that before, especially not anyone who also has a brother. Um <laughs> So, how has that felt for you to be pioneering a new genre of media? You know,
1: uh, Amanda Ralts Silverling, I don't like talking about ifs or whatever's. I gotta live in the now. So I think this is a really unfair question to ask. Uh, it's really a gotcha question, setting me up for for one of those like you're just gonna clip this out and put it on TikTok. So I'm gonna uh, next question, please. Uh, my PR person is saying next question. Uh, I really don't mm. appreciate. It. I thought that you had better journalistic standards. Uh, than this.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that Misha also was your PR person. <laughs> thats I feel like that's a conflict of interest for them to be both your editor and doing your PR. That makes me wonder about um, Multitude's uh, standards as a podcast studio. Uh, but...
1: Misha, can you just uh, put some duck sounds over whatever <laughs> Amanda just said? Thank you. appreciate
0: it. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of some scandal, there's been some real scandal this year, and I wouldn't be doing my job as a journalist if I didn't ask about the incident with Nintendo, where, you know, Games and Feelings just had Nintendo send FBI agents to the studio to uh, retrieve some unreleased (laughs) amiibo from Generation 10 of Pokémon. So what was that experience like and how did they get into the studio? It's on like the second floor.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I think that you have the story incorrect. Um, I sent the Pinkertons to Nintendo to go get Amiibos. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually, it's different um, because, you know, we're a small business here at Games and Feelings, and we really, you know, we got a punch above our weight, so we actually can afford the Pinkertons as well. We're doing so well financially. That's why we sent them to, all the way to Japan, to Nintendo to get the Amiibos. Uh, I just thought it was a really good uh, marketing play uh, for Games hmm. and Feelings.
0: I do think this is good information for the patrons of Games and Feelings to know that, <laughs> Their Patreon dollars were going towards <laughs> hiring the Pinkertons. <laughs> Can you fucking
1: believe that actually happened?
0: What a cra- no, like. I still just think about the, like, how did that happen?
1: Nothing is funnier than knowing that like a game, a toy company <laughs> hired the most notorious like goon squad in American history to go harass a guy who accidentally got magic cards early. It's so funny. <laughs>
0: There was a question about the Pinkertons on Jeopardy last night, and I was like, "Oh, I know this! I just read the entire Wikipedia page of the Pinkertons like two weeks ago."
1: Here, I would, I want to let's answer this question in a different way. Um, I just think it's wild. I wasn't prepared. Like, obviously, the world's pretty dystopic in the way that companies are running them shit, their shit right now. But I didn't know it would affect games so much. Like, obviously, when we started kicking around Games and Feelings, like, all the Activision stuff had been going on. And, of course, like, the Me Too movement and their intersection and games and games media and games, like, creation. And we're all living in a post-Gamergate world that, like, people can just, just knowing that the right wing can mobilize like that and ruin people's lives, like, that's just out there. And that's the thing there. But, like, at the same time, it was like, oh, gamers are just, you know, gross guys, you know, capital G gamers. And like we're trying to create a new space for more for people who think about this a little bit more complex. But I didn't know this was going to directly intersect in the thing I like, which is like how many unforced errors there's been on behalf of Hasbro and Wizard of the Coast and like tabletop RPG Twitter. I just wasn't anticipating that. Um and it's been great to be able to talk about it that freely and talking about uh, labor rights and workers rights um on the show. I just wasn't I just didn't think it was going to be so much of a focus uh, that it was going to be that easy for laymen to talk about so many hilarious scandals as opposed to like, you know, digging into um video game companies like investor talks and trying to like glean this from from secrets. It's just it's just out there.
0: No, it's so funny how I went to a party a couple weeks ago because I go to parties, even though I'm the Kara Swisher of Games Journalism. But um How
1: are how are people um, supposed to know you're Kara Swisher if you don't go out there and go to parties for sure?
0: Yeah. I did meet real Kara Swisher um in real life mm. uh, a couple weeks ago. She was just like a person. I don't know. That's the um, thing
1: about like journalists in like their forties and fifties. Like they have like ten million dollars and they still dress like your mom. It's yeah. wild.
0: Yeah, she was just like, I'm texting my son about Snapchat so I know what to ask Evan Spiegel at this thing later. Which is honestly a good, like, I mean, I do think that's like a good idea as a journalist to, like, talk to young people about things that young people are using. But when it's you not, not young, young people, people, it's your
1: son. You always know <laughs> yeah. that it's just their children. I mean, this is where Kara Swisher, Bill Simmons, does this all the time. It's so funny.
0: Yeah, but so, you know, as the Kara Swisher of games journalism, when I was at this party, someone was talking about the D&D movie, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really know if I want to see it. Like, feels just kind of like like a money grab from Hasbro. And like, if you look in their investor reports, like they've been saying that they want to make Dungeons & Dragons into a four quadrant uh, gaming franchise like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. And did you know? And then the OGL and blah, blah, blah. And then now it's just like, they sent the Pinkertons to a random guy's house because he made a video about magic cards. Yeah. Uh, Which I also do acknowledge I'm hypocritical in my um not wanting to see the D D movie because I think the Mario movie sounds fun. The
1: Mario movie's great. The Mario <laughs> movie... I okay. It's all it's all, all complicated. I also want to say the D movie was fine. It was like a six. And I can see how people like it. And it's nice. I mean, Chris Pine is incredibly charismatic. Justice Smith is very funny. Hugh Grant is so good at playing a Cockney villain. Um, You know, Michelle Rodriguez is funny. The big cameo. It was all very fun. It just felt like they were truly mailing it in and say, like, we have IP now. And everyone now there's the, the fans are so ruined by Marvel that, like, everyone thinks they're a little Kevin Feige. So it's like there are articles. I literally read an article the other day that's like... It's so unfair that um the d movie is probably not gonna get a sequel because it made over hundred fifty million dollars, but it didn't it's not gonna make its budget back. So they're not gonna give it a sequel. I'm like, either you like the free hand of the market or you don't. Like get what the fuck is your problem? Uh, so it's just it's just the whole thing is wild. I also want to point out that I told uh, my wife Amanda McLaughlin, uh, she started reading uh, like a third of the way through the movie. and I told her I told her to leave because we were at like a a free screening that we were able to go to. And I'm like, people here are going to like this movie. You can't be on your phone during the reading the entire time
0: well, um that that actually brings me to my next uh, question, which again, you know, as a, a quality journalist, I have to ask the hard-hitting questions, but um, according to social media, your permanent guest, Jasper William Cartwright, seemed to enjoy the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Sure, But I did, you know, you just said it was a six. I also received an anonymous tip on Signal um, that said maybe you thought it was actually more like a five.
1: No, so I said I'm- it was a six. I don't know who is spreading <laughs> rumors. I don't know what whistleblowers out there say.
0: I said it was a five. Oh yeah, I mean not to like uh not to betray my sources, but it was Misha. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, you know, how has this disagreement impacted your relationship with Jasper?
1: Something I love about Jasper and this is why he's infinitely more successful than me is that he genuinely likes a lot of things and like in a way That I think that you might think that that if someone else was doing it, it'd be like, oh, wow, you're really just gassing up other people just so you could seem like a yes man and they'll like you. But he genuinely loves things and he loves talking to people and he's just like incredibly accepting and like, listen, again, I'm also not saying that it wasn't interesting. And it wasn't like, yeah, that was a fantasy action comp film with some Marvel-esque writing, um, but Jasper just liked it better than me, and uh, he's much better at liking things than I am. And I'm. it's one of the reasons why uh, I like being around him.
0: See, this is why... It's just blatantly false when people say that Jews control the media because (laughs) we would both be doing better if we didn't hate everything and complain about so much. Absolutely
1: true. We would both have so many more Twitter followers if the Jews ran the media. Absolutely. Instead of
0: being the Karis Wisher of games journalism, I would be the uh, uh, Anderson Cooper of games journalism. Pretty good. Also good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just hanging out with um, the Andy
1: Cohen of games journalism and getting drunk, for <laughs> sure.
0: I would be doing the New Year's Rock and Eve.
1: Just watching the big D20 drop. <laughs> yeah, for Yes, sure.
0: exactly. Um, you also launched the game show Tell Me About It this year with Rafi, and Apple Podcast reviewer Luke Astro wrote on 420, blaze it. A billionaire and his blurf, Durf Butler, quizzing semi celebs about unctuous nonsense? Sign me up thrice. And I'm curious what you think Luke means by blurf dirf. I did not read this review before I said that. You were just like, yeah, I guess he says blurf dirf somewhere.
1: I didn't know it was about me. Um, I don't know what blurf dirf means. I also don't know... What unctuous nonsense means. (laughs) Me neither. Unctuous is like the word you say when, like, something's like uh, you go to like a tasting menu and you realize you spent like $200 on something that's like mostly fat. And you're like, "Mm, it's so the mouthfeel. It's so unctuous. So I'm like, I don't know what unctuous nonsense means here. Uh, Semi celebrities also is such a. What an absolute neg did Luke Astro did on 420? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I do also think that there's like a lot of capacity for more more game shows that can be like a little more more wacky instead of straightforward. I mean, listen, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me, and ask me another are backbones of radio. It's like loose, but it's also a straightforward game show. Like, people get it. So I was just trying to bring a taskmaster to podcasting and being able to do it with Adol, who I've been calling a legend of improv, both in Chicago and on podcasting, and I wouldn't do that to his face because he's so Midwestern he would say, no, no, Oh, and they pay me twenty dollars to stop saying it. Uh, it's I mean it's, it's been so much fun, and he's he's great, and the show has been really fun to make.
0: I also do think it's really funny that you know, as a member of the press, I did receive an uh, early test run of "Tell Me About It," yeah. and at first you were the billionaire, but now you're the butler. So how has that impacted, you know, your ego in the
1: show? I always thought it would happen. I mean, honestly, that's like (laughs) all of my shows is I'm the, I used to, (laughs) I'm the butler, but also I created the show and I'm show running it. Like, that's all my shows. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, That was also a fun thing. I mean, it's something that I also, I don't get a chance to talk about that much, but like it was something that Misha and I started kicking around a while ago and Misha is also the co-creator of that and Misha also edits it and does wonderful sound design for it as well. So, a lot of the stuff we do here on Games and Feelings, I think, is transferred over to tell me about it, and like being able to do like an improv show, I think, also allows for more of that fun sound design. Um, so it's like vaguely fiction, so it's easier to like just put the sound design jokes I was talking about. It's a little bit less startling, um, and it just makes people enjoy it even more. Uh well, Amanda Ralt Silverling, I know that you spend so much time asking people questions, but what if I turned this around on you and made you
0: talk about something instead? Oh ho ho. Um in in real life this happened to me on a stage in front of like thousands of people. And it was horrifying. Yeah,
1: that's because VC guys love pulling one over on journalists.
0: <laughs> it wasn't a VC guy. It was a scary lawyer lady. <laughs> that's the same.
1: Those are the same people. <laughs> so that people. was
0: representation, girlbossing. Tr-
1: girl, yeah, that's truly girl bossing. trying to pull one over on a journalist on a stage.
0: She was like, well, why does it matter what the percentage of adult creators versus non-adult creators are on OnlyFans? And I was like, because the working conditions are different and the things that they have to deal with are different with, like, legislation. Because they're children, and
1: like... you ghoul. What the fuck do you mean? See, this is why no one gives me jobs, because I called someone a ghoul on this podcast. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but hey, I have two th- two pieces of news I would love to talk to you about, because, you know, you are a tech journalist alongside being the host of the Games Reviews pod- News Podcast. I can't remember the name of the show. <laughs> it's...
0: um. Damn, you're (laughs) named five of our songs (laughs) where the games podcast news report, um, which, as I mentioned, is the first credit I list in my Twitter bio.
1: That's true. That's true. So I have two pieces of news here I would love to talk to you about. One is a depressing news that I would like to try to find uh, find some positive lining on it, which you'll hear uh, in a moment. Um, And the second one is about uh, things you don't usually talk about on podcasts. So which would you like to talk about? Hmm. We'll probably have time for both, so please, oh uh, uh, whatever you want first. I
0: just kind of like blanked out.
1: Um, okay, we'll do the first one then because it's about the American military, so we'll start
0: there. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: this uh, this recently came across my transom, and it's the wildest shit I've ever seen. Uh, I saw it on Reddit, and I had to run it down to be like, this can't be real. Oh, it's real. Um, here is a press release from the Navy
0: saying, The Navy Sea Lions love video games. <laughs> Imagine being the person who is doing PR for the Navy and then writing about the video games that the sea lions are playing, apparently. The, the
1: only thing about that is, like, they're also in the Navy, so I think they're okay with it. Like, imagine you're in the Navy and you do PR. Like, that's that's wild. Um, oh, yeah. The the short answer, I'll include a link to the episode in the episode description to this thing. But it's like, because also, it's PR from the Navy. So it's pretty pro Navy. But basically, they're training sea lions to use rudimentary video games, part of some program of video enrichment for sea animals. And I'm just like, why? Are you—why does the Navy need to do this? Like, why is this a specific program? Apparently, 300 people care for the program's more than 120 sea lions and dolphins, all of which are trained in reconnaissance and recovery tasks that marine mammals can perform better than humans. But don't worry, enrichment activities such as open ocean swims, playtime and with toys, and now video games are central to their care. So basically, the Navy has adopted some sea, some marine creatures to make them do marine stuff for the Navy, but also they're calling it like the same thing as when you throw a watermelon into a tiger's cage.
0: So this is like, instead of the TSA having dogs that can smell weed, this is like the Navy having dolphins that can retrieve, like, weapons from the
1: sea? I think so. I think it's also really funny that they're doing, like, an Ender's game for sea lions. (laughs) They're like, sea lion, you're so good at the video game. Do it in real life. I don't want to talk about this anymore because it's absolutely fucking bumming me out. So as a tech journalist and someone who also loves games, the the, like dystopic thing I was talking about with companies earlier, like, man, how do you feel good about some of the news that's coming out? I think the only thing is that like it's so fucking goofy uh, from the bad guys that it actually is like easy to kind of like mobilize around it. Um, But I just want you to to know because you're someone who has to deal with Elon Musk quite a lot more than I do.
0: I do have to deal with Elon Musk quite a lot. Um, I feel like this kind of gets at my primary rant about being adjacent to tech, which is that by working adjacent to tech, I realize more than ever how important humanities education is, mm-hmm. where just like knowing a little bit of history and knowing how when corporate greed goes too far, bad things happen. Like, I guess this kind of reminds me of one of my recent rants of late is that everyone is like, oh, my God, like, how can we use ChatGPT to, like, write found poetry and whatever? And it's like, people have been doing this shit for hundreds of years. Like, please take one art history class the same thing happened with NFTs where someone, like I wrote about this like years ago, where someone made something called a low effort NFT, where it right. just was a piece of paper that said low effort NFT and they photographed it and then sold it for like thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's, and Dota, then,
1: that's da- the Dada yeah. movement, my guy. And
0: then people like crypto, people were so mad about it and like having discussions like they're the first people who have ever discussed the relationship between effort and value and art making. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, Please. One single art history class, please. And that's sort of how this makes me feel. It just feels like they're not thinking about any of the implications of, like, training sea lions and dolphins to do your military bidding for you. Right. It just feels kind of weird.
1: It's like, yeah, they're running down something that just does It's like, yeah, oh, you know who totally remembers things and will definitely are so easily controlled? And we have tons of stories about how easily they are controlled. Animals, the natural world, for sure. Yeah, I think that that's the only thing. That's what I'm saying is, like, how goofy and stupid everything feels is, like, the thing that's giving me hope, especially around the writer's strike, is, like, as terrible and ghoulish as the world is, like, it's it can't win out because it's so stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what's wild about the writer strike. And I wrote about this for um, my real job that, you know, actually, no, what am I talking about? The Games Podcast News Network. Which I, is that even... Uh, Yeah, it's wild because from the writers I talked to, it seems like the striking writers put something like AI can't be, like, we can't be used to iterate on AI-generated content, or we can't adapt an AI story. Like, that was something that they just kind of threw in there, because they were like, yeah, why not cover all of our bases? And then the studios were like, no.
1: We're like, we are never responding to this claim, ever. It's like, oh, wow. It's just, yeah, because the people at the top, they're, they're just following the flavor of the week. And I also thought it was silly. I'm like, why are we addressing AI stuff? It's like, no, you have to, because they heard it from their son that AI is the future, and now it becomes a massive bargaining point in a union dispute. Yeah, for sure.
0: And then to bring it back to Succession, the show that I, Amanda Valt silberling guested on and was fired by Kendall Roy. Yeah, you worked at Walter. Um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um... Someone, which, like, I replicated this also on ChatGPT, but theirs just had a funnier little line, but um, someone wrote a succession script with ChatGPT, yeah. and the opening line was Kendall saying, Who will be the successor? Me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just been, like, stuck in my head for, like, the last week. Who will be the successor? Me. Me,
1: me Kendall, <laughs> the, the character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything, every single thing is a mechanical Turk, right? Every single yeah. thing is.
0: And literally in 2016, I wrote a paper about how it's unethical that people were using Amazon Turk to do weird poetry projects.
1: Yeah, because a person's in there. That's the whole thing about Mechanical Turks. There's always a person in there every single time.
0: Uh, oh, boy. But in the case of ChatGPT, the person is literally all of us because it's trained on just the internet.
1: This came out uh, yesterday. I read it on Gizmodo, and I, this is coming out a little while from when we're recording it, but, like, also, there's uh, people in the Global South are tagging data so that ChatGPT can exist. So, literally, there are people involved. It's not like, AI doesn't exist. It's not like in the movies. It's always, there's always a person's hand on the wheel, which, rather, we're talking about uh, self-driving cars (laughs) or ChatGPT.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Meta has contractors in Africa that get paid Very little to like watch horrible videos and be like, yep, this was a video of violence. This was a video of like insert bad things here. Uh, we're gonna get demonetized on YouTube if I say uh, certain words. They get, if they <laughs>
1: someone got unalived again. But the the thing is, is that like I know it's so horrible, but again, like it's not like they're the undefeatable company from like a movie. Because Meta is a great example. They just pulled out of the metaverse because it was stupid and no one fucking cared. So it's like it, they took such an L. They spent billions of dollars on the whole thing, and uh, Meta is by is such a worse company after a Zuck tried to run the shit down. So it's like, even as there are horrific things happening at the same time, the goofiness I think is galvanizing people instead of making like bury their heads in the sand that like there's just too much tragedy that we can't deal with, but like the goofiness and the stupid stuff, I think is actually starting to get people like always join to join unions, support the writer strike, ask like confront their bosses. I mean, we hear about this all the time when we talk about Gen Z in the workplace, but I I think that that's the that's the only silver lining is like these people keep fucking up so hard, it's so either a it's it's it, unless you're an absolute ghoul if you defend it, and b it's galvanizing people to actually stand up to it.
0: Yeah, and I mean to. Uh, bring it back to some serious times in this uh Games and Feelings Anniversary podcast. Sure. Like, a lot has happened in game studios over the last year with, like, labor drives that literally would have never been thinkable mm-hmm. a couple years ago. But, like, multiple units within Activision Blizzard have unionized. Um, Microsoft has this, like, union neutrality policy where, They're basically like, yeah, if you guys get a super majority on your own, we're not going to make you like send it to the NLRB for a vote. We'll just be like, all right, cool. And then so because of that, then ZeniMax, which is, um, I think, part of Bethesda. Did I make that up? Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep track of all the moving parts when you're the Kara Swisher of journalism. Um, Just Kara Swisher of journalism generally. Um, You're (laughs) the best DM in podcasting. And I'm I'm (laughs) Kara Swisher. And you're listening to Pivot with Scott Galloway. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been Scott Galloway the whole time.
0: God. I understand
1: your point. I also don't want to make light of this, but I think that this is the thing. It's like if the story didn't come out that like bros were drink were like messing around with people's breast milk that they were pumping, I don't think like you need the ridiculous story or the the to shake you out of like the banal evil of these corporate existences. I think it's like the only, like they're not even good at being bad. They're just bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, also we see so much good happening but we're not seeing all of the bad like a group of like 150 people at sega's headquarters in california want to form a union and i wrote about them wanting to form a union a couple weeks ago and then i looked on the nlrb page yesterday and it says that they hired littler Mendelssohn to be the lawyers for Sega yes and this is the union busting company that is like behind Amazon and Starbucks which also then somebody told me that they think Sega might have hired somebody else which that's just hearsay I'm sure I'm doing journalism in real time I don't know what the exact truth is but if you do go to the NLRB website where they have the Sega case open, it does say that Sega hired Little or Mendelssohn. And this is also funny because the president of Sega, his response to the initial like announcement that they wanted to unionize, in an email, he was like, you know, I don't know much about unions, but it's time to learn and then we'll like regroup. And it's like, I, I know, learned I you- and I hated
1: it. Yeah, for sure. I
0: learned and I hired the most notorious union busting law firm.
1: Nothing is going to be more galvanizing to for people to stand up as like all the Sanic memes that's going to pair along with <laughs> union drives. Like, again, they-, they should start making better 3D Sonic games before they start union busting. <laughs> again, Starbucks, like Howard Schultz shouldn't be so much of a goddamn clown If he wants to continue to, like, have economic dominance, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would be lovely
0: if people would pay people.
1: Yeah. And I think what it will happen because they keep getting absolutely
0: clowned on. All right. Well... That's it for us at Games Podcast News Report. I'd like to thank my producer Catty Wampus Jones. <laughs> I didn't read this before. My editor Maximus Alphanumerical, my co-host Scott Calloway, and our engineer Good AudioBot Five Thousand. For legal reasons, meaning that she's legally threatening me with two broad swords, one in each hand. I'll thank my lawyer Isabel. I am Amanda Ralts Silverling, and that was all the Games Podcast news that was fit to print.
1: Wow. Great show. Great show. I agree. That was great. Yeah,
0: really, I really learned a lot about, you know, your creative process. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Contemporary poetry. Huh? I wouldn't have thought.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it's just really like the teleology of it is very uh, similar to games. Damn. and You know, the meta narratives at play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Games and Feelings is produced by Eric Silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is returned to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast.